We are um, finishing up last week of our series called GOAT. Everybody say GOAT. <laughs> Greatest of all time. And we started this um, Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday. And um, we took from this key passage, uh, and, and, and you saw in our, in our video, you know, all of the people that we think are the greatest of all time. And typically when we use the term GOAT these days, we're talking about, um, you know, we're talking about um, the greatest football players, the greatest basketball players, people like that. And so, and so when we talk about the greatest of all time, though, in life, we're only talking about one person, and his name is Jesus Christ. you believe that? Say yes. And so, uh, hey, guys with the lights, can you help us out? The guys on the back row are getting beamed to death, so if you could help them. Matt, I saw you, bro. I got you. He had to put on his sunglasses. He was dying back there. He was getting a sunburn. Matthew chapter 23 was our key scripture. Verse 11, chapter 23, where Jesus put in perspective what is and who is the greatest of all time. He says it like this. He says, but the greatest amongst you will be your servant. And for the last three weeks, and if you haven't made it, let me just kind of set the, the scene for you, the pace. We have been diving into the scriptures to realize a truth. See, in the world in which we live in, everyone is climbing the ladder to be the greatest, which means we have to step on others to get there. We talked about in other uh, of these messages how literally we live in a world that's a pyramid and everyone on the bottom is trying to get another ring up and climb up the ladder. What Jesus did when he came to earth, he said, watch this, I'm going to turn that and flip that and the greatest in the kingdom of God is the first one to the bottom. And that so blows our minds because we live every day fighting and scrapping to get ahead, to be better, to be greater, to, to not fail, to be a success. And Jesus redefined success by servanthood. That's a tough place to grasp if your brain and your worldview is completely wrapped around things, money. If your vision or ideology of success is having more than others, of not being poor or not or being, or being validated or being, uh, being respected everywhere you go. And Jesus took that and he threw that on its side. And he said, the greatest amongst you will be the servant. Here at Hill City, that is our heart. We're going to do what Jesus did. We're going to be who Jesus was to our generation. In fact, what I love about you, because the church is not this building. Somebody say amen. The church is not this meeting. Everybody say amen. The church is us. And what I love about the church called Hill City is how quickly you guys are to love and serve your community. In fact, I want to show you a little bit of footage of what we've been doing this last month just so you can see your brothers and sisters actually living out the greatest of all times.
Yeah, come on, Hill City, give yourselves a hand. You guys have been serving so well all month. I've titled today's teaching, The Power of Kindness. Turn to the person next to you and say kindness. Come on, do it, do it again on the other side. Say kindness. There you go. Be kind and speak to your neighbor. There you go. We're going to look in our today's passage that we're going to kind of base most of the teaching from is out of Acts chapter 2. Turn there quickly with me. If you forgot your Bibles, that's okay. We'll put it on the screen for you. In Acts chapter 2, we're going to read in verse 44. Now, this is, this is this moment. Jesus has died. He has resurrected. He has ascended to heaven. And he has empowered his followers to be the church. He's empowered them to be the church. In Acts chapter 2, they have this experience with the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit comes down, begins to live inside of them supernaturally. Everybody is wigged out about it because these 120 people all of a sudden have this power flowing through them. They go outside in the middle of this Pentecost festival. It's kind of like, you know, uh, you know, uh, people from all over have come, kind of like Mardi Gras, those of us from Louisiana. And they're all out there partying and stuff. And, and all of these 120 Christians are standing outside and they're having this experience with the Lord that's wigging everybody out so they think they're drunk and then Peter stands up and says hey we're not drunk this is what was prophesied by the prophet Joel that God would pour out his spirit on everybody anybody who not just the not just the preacher not just the priest not just the prophets that God would pour out his spirit that we all as everyday followers of God could have the power of God flowing through us and he says this is what was prophesied and not only that but you guys killed Jesus he was the one and as a result of that he has resurrected he's no longer dead and then all the people that were standing around go how must what what do we have to do to be right with God and he told him repent of your sins and accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And 3,000 people in that moment said, I will. And all of a sudden, the church went from 120 people to 3,000 on the first day. Are you with me today? Say yes. And so then the Bible lays out what they started doing. What do you do now? Because you just left, you know, your religion, Judaism, and now you're following this Jesus, and, you, and you, you've heard a little bit about him, but wow, and now what do we do? And let me pick up in chapter 2, verse 44. I'll skip down to there. It says, all the believers were together. Everybody say together. That's the problem with the church. We're all separated. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Verse 45, selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. Mark that. They gave to anyone as he had need. So they began to share. They started being kind with one another. That in and of itself must have been, must have been the weirdest thing to hear about these Christians, these followers of God, or Jesus, the Messiah, uh, that they're now they're taking care of each other. They've got this, this thing happening and continuing on. It says, in every day they continue to meet together in the temple courts. Aren't you glad we don't have church every day? Praise God that we don't come meet every day. But what we do is we're on we're on, online with each other. We're doing small group life with each other. So Hill City is meeting every day all the time throughout the week these gatherings are happening because as they said they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts that's we're doing just what they did in the New Testament that's why we do small groups or home groups or life groups whatever you want to call them because we want to do what the New Testament church did we wanted to be what they were as Jesus laid it out originally verse 47 praising God and look at this make note of this enjoying the favor of all the people. Everybody say all the people. Say it again. Say all the people. And they enjoyed the favor of all the people. Keep going with me. And it says, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. 
daily salvation. So the New Testament church, the new, brand new Christianity, as it was laid out, the model looked like this. They got filled with the Holy Spirit. They began to love one another. They began to take care of any, each other. If anyone had a need, it's like, look, I'll sell my car to help you with that. I don't, I'm okay right now. I've got a little motor scooter I can ride around to work. And they begin to take care of one another. As they begin to take care of one another, can you imagine? His cousin over here, who doesn't necessarily know about Jesus, has a need, and so they go and help the cousin. They help him move his apartment. And then, oh, wait a minute, my, my friends broke down, my co-workers broke down. Can anybody come help me move his mule? We'll come help get your camel out the ditch. Let's go. And they start helping, and the kindness is being poured out, poured out. And look what it says they had. And they enjoyed the favor of who? All the people. All the people. The community loved them. I wonder sometimes if communities love the churches in their area. I wonder sometimes if we, the church, the Bible says judgment starts in the house of God. I wonder sometimes if we haven't become so isolated and so self-seeking and, and self-protective that we never show kindness to the world around us. And as a result of their kindness, they're just doing kind things within, within uh, their community. And people are like, wow, this is amazing. These people are the real deal. And they begin to leave their religion and begin to follow Jesus along with the early church believers because of what? Because of the kindness that they saw in the believers here in the early church. And it says, and God added to their number daily those who were being saved. Why were they getting saved? Because they saw something they had never seen. They were experiencing something they had never experienced. They grew up in church. They grew up in religion. They grew up going and hearing the priests talk about the, the, the Torah and the Word of God. They had memorized books of the Bible, but they did not know the goodness of God. What they knew was the fear of God and most religion is based on fear. If you do this, God's going to get you. If you do that, God's going to get you. And what Jesus does with the new covenant is he brings forward the kindness of God. He brings forth the kindness of God who says, I will seek after you even though you don't love me. I will show you goodness even though you slap my hand away and you don't want to have anything to do with me. Even though you've turned your back on me, I will seek after you because I love you like a lost sheep, like my son or daughter who's been stolen from me. And my son Jesus will prove it by going and living amongst you and let you kill him so that now his blood will cover all your sins and anyone who will follow him, I will accept. I am pouring out my kindness on the earth in this moment. In fact, look at Romans chapter 2 and verse 4 says. It says, don't you realize how patient, talking about God, how patient he is in being with you? Or don't you care? Can't you see that he's been waiting all this time without punishing you to give you time to turn from your sin? Thank you, Jesus. How many of you guys are grateful for his kindness and his patience with you? How many of you know that you should have been dead in that car accident when you were drinking like an idiot? Come on, somebody. How many of you know that you should have been shot in that moment where you were in the wrong place with the wrong people? But his kindness, his patience, his goodness. And don't you care, this passage is saying in Romans 2, to give you time to turn from your sin. He's been patient with your, with your, with your uh, adult children. He's being patient with them to give them time to turn from their sin. He's kind, come on somebody, to your brother who's out doing that old crazy lifestyle again. He's being kind to him and keeping him alive. Why? So that, verse, the last of this verse says, so that his kindness is meant to lead you to repentance. I love the way King James says, it says, King James Version says, it was his kindness that led us to repentance. 
It wasn't his judgment. It was his kindness that led us to repentance. The kindness of God that leads to repentance. It brings us to salvation. So you got to understand, the, this old world and all of its systems are on this slippery slope. And they're heading straight to hell. I had a friend whose daddy was a traveling evangelist. I mean, a tra- this is in the 80s. Traveling evangelist. He was known all over South and Central America. And my buddy grew up in a Christian home, grew up seeing people saved and eyeballs working and healed and ears popping open. And that boy, when he got into high school, said, I don't want anything to do with this. He turned his back on God, turned his back on his family. He was clubbing every weekend in the 80s. I don't know if y'all remember the ecstasy became real hot. Everybody was doing X and, uh, and at the end of the 80s into the 90s. And he was in a club on X. <laughs> And he had had a couple hits of acid, you know, ecstasy. And, uh, and all of a sudden, his brain opened up. And he said, I was on a train that was moving at 100 miles an hour. And he said, and I was like, whoa. He said, and all of a sudden, the earth cracked open. And we went down into the earth, into the pits of hell. And he said, and I saw bodies melting in front of me and the cars in front of me. And he says, and I got down. And as it got deeper and deeper and deeper into it, he said, all of a sudden, I started screaming out, Jesus! Because he'd been raised in the right house with the right people who showed him the goodness of God, his own mom and daddy. And as a result of this vision that he had, he came out of it in that moment. And he came, he, he came to our house. Who knows why? I guess he thought we were real Christians. He came to our house. I'll never get. He's like, I got to get right with God. I said, yes, you do. You need to get right. You are wicked, you little ex-head. I mean, it's time. Can I tell you something? That man turned his life around, fell down on, on his face, and gave him. There is a slippery slope that all of humanity is on its way without Jesus into a lake of fire where there will be destruction. God never intended it for his, his, his creation. It was intended for Satan and the fallen angels who warred against the Lord. And as a result of tricking Adam and Eve into rebelling against God, now we have humanity that's now given themselves over to the rebelliousness against the creator and don't even want to acknowledge his existence but his kindness is reaching out is reaching out every day his kindness is reaching out give him a little bit more time give him a little bit more time death you can't have him yet give him a little bit more time they're going to turn towards me it's his kindness that led us to repentance are you tracking with me say yes oh but what's happened to the church what's happened we're just we're just not kind we we don't even do acts of kindness unless the church organizes it I want you to think about this for a moment. Can you help me a little bit? Will you guys come up here, uh, Keisha and Aaron? I, w- I want you to see. I want to give you a mental picture of what happens when you and I begin to show kindness to our coworkers, when we begin to show kindness in our community. It's almost like, it's almost like we begin to plant the flowers of God's goodness. And the beauty of flowers, the beauty of flowers is that they smell so good. And they brighten up a room. This old black little, you know, uh, uh, you know, cover over this little table. It was sitting up here. You could hardly even see it. It was drab and dreary. And now all of a sudden, they came and they put me a little flower in this box. And now all of a sudden, give us another one. Get, get, all of a sudden, it starts looking a little nicer, right? Oh, and if you could smell it. Mm, if you could smell it, it smells like flowers. You know, they made perfume originally from flowers. That's where perfume came from, typically. And as you begin to pour your life in acts of service into the community, what it does is it attracts people to God's goodness. See, you don't realize that your acts of kindness 
what it does is it attracts people. You, you know, the bumblebee goes, the bees go from flower to flower to flower because they're attracted not just to the smell, but to the beauty of the flower. And then they take that, and guess what they do? They then go and pollinate more and pollinate more. And can I tell you some hurting people are attracted to that which is beautiful in the things of God. Thank you guys so much. They did so good. Give them a hand. They did so good. Now look at this. Now all of a sudden, look how, how much brightness now is up on the stage. The beauty of your act of kindness. Just the simple thing that you might would do at your job. And just say, you know, bring, bring, you know, I, I, every now and then I go and I'm at this retreat center um, where I study uh, simply because you can't study at my house um, because all my children belong to me. And so I, so I have to go somewhere else to study. And so I go to this retreat center and the other day I was going in there, I was getting the key and they were having their little staff meeting and they were all grumpy, you know, it's COVID and they're grumpy, nobody's coming to the retreat center. And I started thinking, I'm going to do something nice for them. The next week. I brought them a dozen of donuts and some kolaches. Can I tell you something? The place lit up. They were like, are you a man of God or what? And I'm like, yes. Yes, I am. Yes, I am a man of God. You should come to our church and get saved. <laughs> you know what I mean? But the goodness of God is poured out in your acts of kindness to the community. And I, and I wonder, I wonder if maybe 2020 could have been avoided if the church had been doing acts of kindness within the communities that we live. I wonder if instead of being repelling to the lost and the hurting, I wonder if we could actually be attractive as we show forth what? The goodness of God. It was his kindness that leads us to repentance. Not the truth of that hell is going to be hot and you're going to burn there forever. That is a truth and we are all in, in, in jeopardy of hellfire without Jesus in our life. But friend, it was his goodness, his patience, his kindness that attracted us to him. And then the smell and the aroma of his, of his love for us. It began to change our old broken hearts and our old wickedness in our life. You and I have to come back to the place to be the church and show the kindness of God. People all around us are broken. And you know what their life smells like? It smells like trash. Have you taken out the trash lately? Where I'm living right now in an apartment, because we're in transition, there's a dumpster that I have to walk 100 yards and put the trash in. Well, the dumpster, through this last storm, took on some water. That's all, yeah, that's all I had to say. Thank you very much. Thank you. There you go. There you go. I am, I am running up to the dumpster, holding my nose, throwing things over me, and trying to throw my trash in and run off. Because the stench is so bad. Do you know that's what you smelled like? What your life was like before Christ? He brought everything beautiful into your life that's beautiful. He brought the aroma of goodness over your life. And broken people, their life stinks. And I wonder how many times they get around Christians and all they sense is not the goodness of God, but the difficulties of their sin still outsmells everything in the room. And the Christian, how do we engage with the broken person here at Hill City, our mission statement is to relentlessly love Jesus, his church, and the hurting. If you don't like hurting people, please don't come back here. This is a place where if you're hurting, you can come and find the goodness of God. 
I don't care if you're dealing with your sexuality and you're confused about it, come here. We want to help. We want to be a part of the solution. We want you to know the goodness of God. I don't care if you struggle with every addiction known to man. Come here because the church is supposed to be the hospital. Jesus said, it's the, it's the sick who need the doctor. It's the broken who I'm coming after. I'm, I'm chasing after those who, who've been thrown aside by this old world system and stomped on and their life stinks. And they're a stench to themselves. Friend, sin stinks but oh the kindness of God is an aroma that we can't hardly even embrace because it's so beautiful I want to take your attention now after this passage that I just quoted to you from the book of Acts chapter 2 and what they committed themselves to they committed themselves to each other they committed themselves to show kindness to their community as a result of that they had the favor of all the people in the community all oh, the leaders didn't like them oh the leaders were mad because people were switching religions. They were losing control because people were finding Jesus in this community of believers and their lives are being changed and now they're giving and they're transforming the community and they're helping and loving people and now the orphans have a, have a dad as a mentor. They have a mentor dad now and, and, and the widows actually have some income sources that someone's helping them pay their bills because the community of God began to gather around. The kindness began to pour out and they had favor with all the people in the community and then daily salvation. Boom, boom. I want God. I want your God. That, that's the real God. I want him. I wonder, I wonder what we will look like in the years to come if we do not grasp a hold of this truth. That the greatest is the servant of all. And that the church, the followers of Christ, should be like Christ by being people of kindness and acts of kindness that actually brings forth the aroma of heaven into the earth. As you move from chapter 2 into chapter 3, you see this moment where Peter and John are going up to the temple. It's what they've done since they were little boys. You go up to the temple. You hear the reading of the word. You do your little prayers. And they're up there. And, of course, they, they, they've experienced the Messiah. They're full of the Holy Spirit. And as they're walking up to the temple, there's this dude who's been crippled since birth. Forty years, they have placed him at the gate called Beautiful, the entrance to the temple. And he sits there and begs. I, I, I've, na I've named him Kevin or Kev. He's crippled Kev. Kev been sitting at that gate year after year after year. He lives with his cousins, and his cousins making a ton of money off old Cripple Kev. They sit him up there, and he begs, alms for the poor. Everybody help. Come on, can you spare some change, bro? You got some change? Come on, man, just a dollar. Come on now. And where do they place him? They put him at the front door of the church. Them jokers are smart. That's a racket they got going on right there. Like, you going to church, you feeling bad, like, bro, we got to help that dude. Come on now. And Kevin, Cripple Kev, Kev, been doing this for 40 years. And the Bible says that Peter and John come walking up, and they notice him. Now, I want to make a point here. Jesus has come to this gate many, many times, and Jesus has never healed old Cripple Kev. Why? Well, I believe it was because Cripple Kev had a... Had a, had a had an appointment with destiny, but it wasn't with Jesus. It was with Peter and John because something supernatural had to happen in this moment for the church. Because it's the church's job to show kindness and learn kindness. Jesus passed on that one because he like, you're going to learn to do this one. And so they come walking up. If you'll pick up with me. In verse 6 of Acts chapter 3. And old crippled Kez has been begging for money. And then the Bible says in verse 6, And then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have. But what I have, I'll give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. And instantly the man's feet 
and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking, pay attention, and jumping and praising God. That dude got him a Holy Ghost dance going. He started dancing. Boy, what? All the people, all the people in the temple are looking at Cripple Cab. Cripple Cab, what are you doing? Woo! Bless the Lord. Hallelujah. I mean, Cripple Cab's going off. And Peter and John and them just like, <laughs> they ain't got no money. We don't have gold. We don't have silver. We sold it all and just followed Jesus, bro. So, and, then, and then he went to heaven. So we kind of broke, but I tell you what we do got. What I got, I'll give to you. The power of God flows through my veins because I belong to him. His Holy Spirit lives and abides within me. And I can't give you money, but I can help you get it all fixed here and now so you can work a job. Because what you need to get is a J-O-B. You need to stop begging because God didn't make you to be like that. You don't need to live in this place of, of demise. You don't need to live like this anymore. Oh, when the church finally starts paying attention to hurting people, we will solve the problems that are all over this nation. We'll solve it when we, the church, start giving of the goodness that God's given to us. And we start showing acts of kindness. They give an act of kindness to this guy. He starts walking and jumping, so the crowd starts coming around. Like, whoa, crippled kid, what happened? Well, Peter, he ain't going to play with that. He's like, let me tell y'all what happened. Jesus Christ, who you crucified. Now, I know you were stupid. You didn't realize it. Go back and read it. It's really fun. He goes, I know y'all was ignorant and didn't have any better understanding. But what had happened was, when you killed him, that boyfriend, he don't raise from the dead because he was the Messiah, just like he said. And so we didn't healing, but the power of Jesus flowing through us has brought this man to this place of brokenness has been removed from him. And he is now healed before Almighty God. And they start going, what? And they start, people, you got to come here. Come see old Cripple Kev. Hallelujah. I mean, he ain't stopped dancing. I mean, he, Peter's steadily preaching. And so all of a sudden, the temple guards... And the dudes in charge of the temple, all these Jewish leaders, they're like, oh, no, no, what's going on over there? There's commotion. There's commotion over there. What's happening in church back there? We can't let that happen. What's going on back there? They're not paying attention to the reading of the word. And they go running back there, and, uh, and, and the crippled calves are hallelujah. And they're like, crippled calf, what's up? And they said, Peter and John, they did it to me. You did this? You, you don't have any authority here. You, you're not a priest in this temple. You, you, what? you got to get up out of here. And they take them to jail. Take them to jail, and the Jewish leaders confer all, uh, early the next morning, what are we going to do with these guys? And so they bring them in front of them. And they said, now listen, we want to know something. By what name, by what authority, what power have you done this? Because as they were conversing about it, they realized, oh, Cripple Kev's really healed. Like there's no denying it. Forty years, everybody has passed by Cripple Kev. Here's a nickel cripple, all right. Here's a nickel cripple. There you go. All right. I uh, hope it's all right for you, man. Hope you make it. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. They've been doing this for 40 years, that man has probably been begging. I mean, he's maybe 30 years when he was 10 years. I don't know what, what age they set him out there in front of this thing. Probably starting him real young like those commercials on TV. Little Johnny, <laughs> you know, has no food today. Will you give to the American way? You know, it's that kind of engagement. And so they said, we, it's real. It really happened. So who gave you the power to do this? And I love Peter's response. Look at, look at it with me in chapter 4, verse 8. Then Peter, filled 
with the Holy Spirit. Are you filled with the Holy Spirit? Please say yes. Come on, Christian. Said to them, rulers and elders of the people. Exclamation mark. So he's being passionate. Verse 9. If we are being called to an account today for an act of kindness shown to a crippled calf and are asked how he was healed, verse 10, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Listen, if you guys are fussing at us for an act of kindness, we, because an act of, if you're going to fuss at us about an act of kindness, let me just tell you why this miracle is happening, why this aroma is filling the temple, why all of the community of Israel is talking about the beauty of God. They ain't talked about it in forever because you ain't never got nobody healed Jewish leader. You ain't never got anybody helped you. You passed that joker by for the last 30-something years. You've never helped him. You've never got him healed. And if you are calling us into account... For the act of kindness that we show, that we put kindness down into this man's life. Let me tell you who did it. It's Jesus Christ, who you crucified. Friend, can I tell you something? When you and I show acts of kindness, it's not of our own strength and our own power. This is through Jesus Christ because you and I are made to not care about nobody but number one. And it is Jesus that changes our heart. Because while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. It was his kindness that led you and me to repentance. It was his goodness. And so now we are a conduit of his kindness. And so when you and I do acts of service of kindness, it's not for salvation. We are saved by faith in Jesus Christ. We do acts of kindness as a result of his goodness in our lives. I don't take out the trash to get Jamie to love me and to marry me. She loves me and she married me. Because I love her, I can't wait to take out the trash. Because our love is real. Because I can't wait to serve her. And I can't wait to show her that she is so valuable to me. I give acts of kindness to the broken community around me. Because Jesus has been so good to me. I can't wait to help others see and smell the aroma of heaven in their lives. That's why we do acts of kindness. Not to get saved. Not to, not to, not to feel good about all of our wickedness that we've done. No, no, no. Not to, not to merit system. I did five bad things so i got to do five good things. No, 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 no. Acts of kindness come from the goodness that God has poured out into our lives. He's shed abroad in our hearts, the Bible says. Oh, for you and I to be the people of this generation, to bring forth the goodness of Jesus on the planet, to show forth his kindness to a broken nation. Can I tell you something? Let me tell you something. The reason why we still have such prejudice and such foolishness is because we, the church, we passed on moments where we should have been being kind. We passed on it. We missed the moment. Peter and John could have missed the moment. Everyone else has passed that dude by. They have passed him by year after year since they were little boys. That man has been at that gate since he could, since they dropped him off. Probably 30, so many, he's been crippled for 40 years. He's probably been at that gate for at least 30 years. These guys grew up knowing crippled Kev. But in a moment, the Bible says that their eyes turned and looked straight at him. I said, we don't have what you're asking for, but what we got, we'll give you. Which brings me to a couple thoughts. I want you to write these down. Keys to the kindness that actually changes lives. Keys to the kindness that actually changes lives. Not the kiss-up kindness so you can get a promotion. The kind of kindness that changes lives. Here's the first little point that I would teach you. Number one, it starts with a heart of kindness. See, when you get your heart right, your actions will get right. 
your heart. It starts with a heart of kindness. If you'll go back and study the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you'll see that just about every time that Jesus did something supernatural, it says, and he had compassion on them. So he healed them. And he had compassion on them. So he stayed in the house praying for them all through the night. And he had compassion on them, for they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he said, sit them down. I've got to feed them. I've got to do something supernatural in their life. And he, and he gave them, he took the fish and the bread and he multiplied it because he had compassion. What's missing many times in mine in your life is a true heart of compassion, a true heart of kindness. You say, well, why do you think that is? I think it's because we've been through stuff. I think it's a protection that we, I think we, I think we walled up around the goodness of God in our heart because the last person we tried to be nice to, they, they did us dirty. Or because, we, because we're scared of being misappropriated again. Or because we've been through a couple divorces. And, and so just, it's just more natural to protect. And, and it's become calloused. And so we don't, we don't, even, we don't even reach out. Maybe because we, we saw somebody. Maybe we were at a church with somebody who was manipulative. And, they, and they, did good, they did good things so they could get good things. It was manipulative. It wasn't from a kind heart. It wasn't from a heart of beauty and purity. It was from a heart of manipulation. And maybe we've seen that. So you're like, I'm never going to do that. I, 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 and the Bible says don't let the left hand know what your right hand's doing. Because in Jesus' time, they were definitely being manipulative with these things. They would do something because they expected to get something. And that is not accurate in Scripture as what a Christian is supposed to be. We give to give, not give to get. Are you with me? Say yes. And sometimes our hearts have become overtaken with the hurts and the pains. And most of us, notice that I left this box kind of empty, because most of us, <clears throat> what we're planting in our community is something definitely different. Notice i got to get the gloves on. What most of us are planting in the community is the bitterness that we've experienced or the hurt that we've experienced. And so as a result, that's what we keep planting in our community all around us. We take our brokenness in our life. Ay, ay, ay. Oh, Jesus, be glorified. <laughs> Squeeze the pot. Y'all just know so much about planting. That sucker out. There we go. It, see, it ain't even fun to plant it. That thing has stuck me 25 times. I ain't going to lie. Look at that. Mm, you stay in there, you little sucker. And so this is what most of us are planting in the community around us. Most of us are planting cactuses from our hurt, from our pain. Nobody's gonna do, no, nobody at work is going to get anything over on you. Because you're going to be sure of it. I had a couple in the church that was in leadership in the church years ago. And finally, I just went to them. I said, hey, I love you, but nobody likes you in this church. And they're like, what? I said, you're prickly. Like, nobody can get close to you because you, you're a jerk. And they're like, well, well, we just tell the truth. Maybe you should just tell the truth more. I said, well, let me just, well, then I'm telling you the truth. Let's start with you. You're a jerk. And nobody likes you. And the reason why nobody likes you is not because you're standing for God. It's because you have a bitter root. And your bitter root has put, produced so many thorns that nobody, that's why you don't have any friends. That's why we put you in areas of leadership in the church and those areas under your oversight are not growing. Because you are bitter and your heart is hard. And the Bible's real clear. He says, do not harden your heart. Let the Lord's goodness wash over. Listen, we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. People are hard to deal with. 
People are mean. People are rough. But I would rather have a little bit of my flower stomped on by the people. And they can't say anything, but when you crush a flower, it gives off more beautiful aroma. I'd rather get stomped on by people than I, than I would to repel the people from the goodness of God. I'd rather get stomped on and they say, wow, wow, that, he got treated dirty in that. But look at him. He's still loving Jesus. He still looks like Jesus. He still smells like Jesus. He's still acting like Jesus. Can I, can I give you a little bit of coaching? You can still be an aroma of goodness and kindness even though you're going through pain in your life. You can do that. In fact, that's when the aroma of Jesus smells the best. That's when the beauty of what God's doing in your life is at its heightened spot. Is when you, people are looking at you like, how are you even smiling today? How are you? You just got diagnosed with that because Jesus is good. Because my, my God will not leave me or forsake me. And even if I leave this world a few hours uh, uh, shorter than what I lived in this earth, a few hours shorter than I thought I was going to live, I get to receive heaven. And forever and ever and ever, he'll dry every tear. And he'll hold me in his hand. And I'll eat the banquet of the lamb. And he's preparing a place for me because in his house there are many rooms. And even though I may die of cancer this month, I tell you, I'll spend eternity free of pain and suffering with the living God I know his goodness friend can I tell you you can take the pain and something beautiful can come out of it instead of something prickly that no one wants to be around you had an uncle that nobody was his friend he became an alcoholic because he had such a tragedy in his life sat on that front porch getting drunk every day been in church grew up in church knew God had been a worship leader but sat there just pounding them down because my life what didn't happen and he became so prickly, nobody wants to be around His own kids didn't want to be around him. Can you imagine that? Because the hardness of his heart. You can soften your heart today. In fact, would you just lift one hand right now and say, Lord get, God, give me a new heart. Say it to him. Lord, give me a new heart. Give me a new heart. Amen. That brings me to number two, the second key to the kindness that changes lives. And that is an awareness of the need. An awareness of the need. Peter and John, the Bible says they look right at him. They had passed that dude for years. Look right at him. And then they told him, look in my eyes. We don't have what you're asking for. But we see your need. And so what we got, we're going to give. Awareness of the need. How many times a day do I walk right past the need and don't see it? I wonder that all the time. I wonder, Lord, did I miss you? How much did I miss you today? Lord, how much did I, how much did I just walk right past what you had need of me to do? What will it take, Jesus, for the hurting to get my attention. That's the question I started asking myself. Lord, what? I mean, yeah, your kid's acting a fool. They're just trying to get your attention. Yeah. Yeah, that person at work is just, I mean, they are acting stupid, demonic, wicked. Because they're trying to get the attention of the only one who smells good in the room. The only one who has the solution to their pain and can fix their problem. I love this man by the name of Smith Wigglesworth. He was a revivalist, a miracle working guy. He had not believed in God. He had not believed in the Holy Spirit. His wife was this little preacher lady, uh, you know, back in the day. And, uh, and he got baptized. And he was a plumber. He got baptized in the Holy Spirit. Come on, plumbers. He got baptized in the Holy Spirit and he started moving in the supernatural. It was crazy. He started moving in the supernatural. And, and one of the stories that they tell about him, he had a little assistant he was training to, 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 to be a minister. And, and so one day he said, get in the car. We got to go somewhere. And they I think it was like a Colorado-type area, wherever he was. They kind of went up on the side of the mountain, and there was this little bench kind of overlooking kind of the, you know, the, the mountainside and up high on the side of the mountain. And he said, let's get out here. And they parked the car, and they got out there, and they just sat there. And the young man tells the story. He said, we sat there for 30 minutes, and then an hour, 
Brother Wigglesworth didn't say anything. He just sat there and sat there, didn't read his Bible, didn't pray, didn't tell me anything, just sat there. And he said, finally, I asked him, I said, what are we doing here? He said, just wait, just wait. Just sat there, just sat there, just sat there. And finally, this guy came hiking up the side of the mountain, came right up to the bench, got to the last little piece and saw him sitting there. And, uh, and he goes, uh, whoa, what are you guys doing here? And Wigglesworth said, I was sent by assignment of God, by God to minister to you right now and have a word from the Lord. The Lord says unto you this day, this, 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 and this. The man falls down on his knees, begins to weep, repents, and gives his life to Jesus. And then he said to his assistant, all right, we can go now. I, I wonder if the Holy Spirit can even get my attention long enough <laughs> to have me sit on a bench. I think about 30 minutes into it, I'll be like, well, I miss God. Let's go get a cheeseburger. <laughs> the attention, not on us so much, but on the brokenness around us. If everyone who called themselves a Christian would minister to one person a year, one person a year, everyone who called themselves a Christian would minister to one person a year, the statistics show us that within three to four years, we'd save the whole world. They had the favor of all the people, and God added to their number daily those who were being saved. Why? Because of the kindness that was shed abroad in their heart and they were sharing with the community. It brings me to my last and final piece, and that is, here's, here's a key to the kind of kindness that changes life. Number three, give what you got. Give what you got, not what you don't have. Give what you got. I, I, I don't have access to the president. I pray for him every day. I don't have that. I, I know some people and I, try, I, I can give them what I got. I don't have riches. I have billions of dollars, millions of dollars. I don't have that. But what I have, give that. Silver and gold, we don't have. We don't have it, bro. I know you're just looking for, you're looking for, for lunch money. That's what you're looking for. We don't even have lunch money to give you. But what we got, we're going to give to you. Rise up and walk. Now you can buy your own lunch. Now you can have some self-respect. Now you can get your dignity back because everyone's looked down at you and laughed at you ever since you, were a little, since you were a little boy and you can remember since birth. We're going to give you your dignity back. We're going to give you your self-respect back because what we got, he gave to us and we want to share it with you. You may not know everything, but friend, can I tell you something? You used to be an alcoholic and now you're doing your best to love Jesus. You may not have your marriage all right yet. You may not even understand the Bible, but friend, you got something to give. You got a story that says, you know what, listen, I don't have it all figured out, but let me tell you something. I used to be an alcoholic, but let me tell you, God came into my life. I'm going over to that little church called Hill City. That preacher's amazing and good looking and phenomenal. Anyway, and so I put God's been, <laughs> God's been changing my life. I don't have a lot, but what I have, I'll give to you. I'll share with you what I've experienced, what I know. That's all a witness is. Sir, I don't know. I was sitting there at the red light. That dude ran across it. That one hit him in front of the car. That's all I know. I don't know if they were drinking. I don't know if they were texting. All I know is what I saw and what I've experienced. You don't have to be something you're not. Give what you got. When you and I give what we got, it, God takes it. He says, and God, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. He took what they were giving out and he multiplied it and he kissed it and he made it have an aroma that everyone that got around it said, I want that. I want that right there. I got to have some of that right 
right there. Friend, when you and I come out of our selfishness and we start giving out acts of kindness, we start pulling up from our heart, from that place of God's goodness, the little rose bed in our life, and we begin to share that into the community, the little things that God's entrusted us with, little things he's given us, as we begin to share that in the community around us, people's lives will be changed. You don't have to give what you don't got. Give what you got, what little bit you got. He'll take it. He'll multiply it. He said, Moses, what's in your hand, son? He said, I can't go to Egypt. I ain't got nothing. I used to be rich. Now I'm poor. I'm living out in the wilderness. I ain't got nothing. I, don't need, like I ain't even had a good shave. My nails ain't been done. Man, Lord Jesus, I can't go. What you got? I got this staff. Throw it on the ground. Turns into a snake. He says, see, I can take what little bit you got, and I can turn it into something that changes the Pharaoh's heart. Whatever you got, give me that, and I'll use it. Got a truck? Help them move. That's what you got. You got a little bit of time on a Saturday? Go help them, go, go help them change out some stuff over at that, at that little place where they're trying to help uh, uh, unwed mothers. You got a little extra money in your, in your savings account? What good's it going to do for you? How many TVs can you buy? Come on now. I mean, the new purple iPhone ain't worth having anyway. Just stick with what you got and take that little bit and help somebody. God has connected our hearts to his, and his heart is a heart of kindness. And it's in that kindness that we change the world. Would you stand with me?